This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Stocks got it! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholtz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. Post-Valentine's Day edition. Post-Super Bowl edition. We don't have time for that. Maybe later. We don't. We've got a lot to get to. It's an exciting show. We're going to have Nate Klaus back from Husker, from Inside Nebraska. So his previous employer. Inside Nebraska's Nate Klaus. He'll join us. Uh, we've got a lot of recruiting discussion. We've got a lot of Nebraska football roster discussion to get to as well. Uh, baseball just started yesterday. Uh, tough loss on the road for the Huskers. They're back at it today. We'll get you all caught up on baseball, softball as well. Uh, some more some more other Husker sports records falling by the wayside, just left and right. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a busy winter in that regard. Uh, but we're going to start, Mister Matthew McMaster. I'm a, I'm a mess. Oh my god! We're There's gonna... all this all this stuff is all mangled up and tangled up knots, and I don't know where my headphones are. It's been a rough morning. All right, Mister Grinch. I'm just saying. In your, in your this green is. Re- shirt. I didn't. Re- I didn't realize that I. Uh, you went on. You started talking. I couldn't hear you in my headphones. No, that's for, not good. No, no, not now. I can. I'm right. okay. Now I'm booming though in my headphones. You know what's so. not a. Me- you know what's not a mess right now. What's not a mess? Give Hus- it to me. Husker hoops. You know what? I winners wish- of three of four, Matt. I wish. I wish. I because I was thinking about doing it. Grabbed all my clips talking about the team and Fred Hoiberg over the last two weeks because we could have done a whole where Matt was wrong segment <laughs> of 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 just everything I said. First off, the first thing I would have found was when I said, I don't think they're going to win another game. I think they won three after that. Mm-hmm. Including and, the one on the road on Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday. And yesterday. then I went on a bit of a rant last week talking about, not that I would get, I didn't say that I would get rid of Fred Hoiberg, but you and I were talking about the expectations yeah. and and where, you know, my big thing was, where was the line? Where does, sure, he get you know, undeniable progress and he'll probably keep, probably keep his job, but where do you go from there and, you know, all that stuff. Well, look. Three of their last four, six wins in the Big Ten. In a Big Ten that, Cole, I am convinced that you will either see four Big Ten teams in the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament, or you will see none. You will see zero (laughs) Big Ten teams. There's no in-between. There's no, no. There's no in-between with this conference because, frankly, there's no in-between currently in the conference there is no one team that has complete control of of what's going to go on, and it's see so, you know for a minute, right? You think that okay, Purdue, it's Purdue's conference, and it's everybody else. Well, then they drop one to Northwestern, great win, go Cats, and then well, I'm just, I'm sorry that that was from my dad, my, the Northwestern alum. He had a great he had a great Super Bowl Sunday. We understand he was he was so happy. Was he a Chiefs fan too? No, no, no. He oh. was his Super Bowl was at one o'clock. It was <laughs> it wasn't at five thirty. But then Purdue didn't just lose to Maryland; they got their butts whooped by Maryland. I mean, it wasn't just it wasn't just your standard road loss. I mean, they they looked they got dominated in a fashion that they had not been the entire season. So now, and you got Indiana too, who until they lost to Northwestern, they were on a hot streak as well, ranked, and so. Also, and by the way, I totally expect, totally, totally, totally expect Northwestern to lose to Iowa on Sunday. It it just very on brand for that. It it would be. It would be so on brand for what I watched my entire childhood. My, it's just, it's right up their alley. I, I, they're a really good team, but I'm convinced they're going to lose to Iowa. And if they do, then you're going to have probably a three-way tie for second. And you got the middle of the Big Ten is a mess. It's a mess right now. And then you got so right now you have three teams that are nine and six. 
with Indiana, Maryland, Iowa. Then you got Illinois and Michigan State at 8-6, and six, followed up by Rutgers, who about two weeks ago, and we'll talk about that game, looked like the second-best team in the Big Ten, and now they're losers of their last three. So, and they, they got a big game today against Wisconsin. Rutgers has to win that game if they're going to get into the tournament, yeah. you know, let alone get their season back on track and make a run. And then you just got Nebraska, who loses their their... What would you say? You would probably call them your third and fourth, second and fourth best player on their team with Bandamel and Gary. Where would you have where would you have ranked Bandamel and Gary? Both of them are top four. Top four for sure. Obviously they were starting every single game while they were healthy. And and they go out. Probably your two best on ball defenders, though. without a doubt. They go out. All hope is lost. Nebraska now winner three of their last four. And once again, talking about Maryland beating Purdue and not just beating them, kicking their butts, Nebraska kicked the crud out of Rutgers, and they did something to Rutgers no one's done all year. They could not miss. They, they, they got into a track race with them, and they beat them. And, I mean, Ruck, going in that game, Rutgers had the second-best defensive efficiency in the country. Not allowing, just Allowing just 59.1 not, points not, per game. Not just... Not just like, oh, they're a good... No, 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 no. They're the defense. They yeah. were the defense. and they nationally. So, I don't know. I have no clue about the Big Ten. Kese Talmanaga is going to make an all-Big Ten team. I don't think that's a sentence that any of us were prepared to say at the beginning of the season. Honestly, you could make an argument that maybe he should be all-Big Ten first team. Now, if you want to say that his ceiling is second team because of his defense, go ahead, be my guest, you know? Say- Ceiling is the second team because of the team he plays on, but that's neither here nor there. Well, I mean, when you're shooting the ball like he's No, I shooting. know, but the Big Ten sure. voters are, are going no, to No, no, I know, I know, I know. And, and you, and also, too, he didn't really start doing this until Gary and, and Bandamel really started to come out. I mean, he had right. a game or two where he was really good, but now it seems like since the floor has opened up and he's getting more minutes, he's just letting it go. He's probably the most fun player I've ever seen play. In person and and a team that I've consistently consistently watched. Now, obviously, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, those are all great to play, but I don't watch them play every single game. Casey Tomonaga, the Japanese Steph Curry. I just think he's Casey Tomonaga. I I don't I I I've never Steph been. A, is, Steph is the American Casey Tomonaga. Yeah, maybe. I think that's where we're going <laughs> based on how those two are playing. But no, I mean, the Big Ten's the Wild Wild West. Nebraska will now look. I think at the end of the NCAA tournament, we could take a greater view at the bigger picture of what Nebraska accomplished this season. Because if it is four teams are in the NCAA Sweet 16, then yeah, you can say that, hey, the Big Ten was this elite conference that we all kind of thought it was. But if it's no teams in the Sweet 16, how do you look at six wins in the Big Ten? Because you, you add a, not an asterisk, but you say, hey, hey, they won six games in the Big Ten. Hmm, a weak Big Ten. You know, and that, and that kind of, in terms of the resume, in terms of, because, you know, Fred will keep his job. Yes. He will be here next year. Yes. But. Undeniable progress. He is on a year-to-year basis. Yes. In my opinion, no, I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. So it, before I get to my case, eight thoughts, uh, a couple other things. So in that Wisconsin comeback win, he raised a 17 point deficit in five <laughs> minutes, and then took that to overtime. And then Wisconsin scored two points, and then Nebraska scored the next 12, and that was the final there. Uh, Ten point overtime win over Wisconsin, and then the the win over Rutgers. Uh, you have not just Casey getting 22, but you also have. Uh, Sam Greasel going for 12 and 11 with just one turnover and five assists. You had 17 points from C.J. Wilcher, who found the starting lineup again, and, and he seems to have, have found something again, which he would be a nice little, nice little boost if you can get some contributions every single game and consistency at that point uh, from C.J. Wilcher. Uh, and then, of course, Derek Walker doing what Derek Walker does, 16 points, uh, only three rebounds. Uh, in that game, it was plus 14 on the floor, had uh, the joint highest plus-minus of that game against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Uh, joint highest was Sam Hoiberg, by the way. Hey! Uh, but Casey, so, in, and you mentioned that was, he kind of started coming on with the injuries, right, to, to Gary and Bandamel. So, the, the first game 
that he uh, kind of started this run uh, will go back further than the 20-point run that he's on in these last four games. So the Purdue game does not start. This is the at Purdue, the second matchup with the Boilermakers. At Purdue, he gets 16 yeah. points. That was the game that they lost um, Gary. Butts I bl- or, no, Gary went down first, and then Bandamel was second. Gary, so that Gary, was the game they lost w- Bandamel. No, they lost Bandamel to Penn State. They lost Gary to Illinois, and then they lost Bandamel to Penn State. That might have been okay. the first game where I'm pretty sure... Those, this is, a, was this that, is the first game post-Gary then, because this is at Purdue right now. Was it the Illinois. first game post-Gary, or was that a home game? I think the first game post-Gary was Northwestern. Well, Northwestern was after the Penn State game, which you yeah. thought was Bandamel. Yeah, and rate, then they lost Bandamel. So Purdue, I think, might have been the first game where they lost both Bandamel and Gary. So he does not start the Purdue sure. game, gets 16 points. Uh, Ohio State, that was the win at home. He got 11 at Penn State, that was a loss. He got 13. Northwestern, Nebraska loses that game at home, but he got 22. The next game at Maryland, Nebraska just gets their butts whooped. Casey starts that game, only scores three points, only shot three field goals in 22 minutes. Does not start the next game. Hoiberg takes him out, does not start at Illinois, comes off the bench, scores 11. And then you have the run that he's been on since then. Penn State, 30 at Michigan, even though it was the loss and they got blown out. There were big runs in that game by both teams, especially uh, Nebraska with a couple big ones. 24 points in that one. And then home win versus Wisconsin, he had 22. At Rutgers, he had 22. He's shooting like 80% from two in this run. And in every single game, he's hit at least four three-pointers. Five, four, and then five, and then four in this four-game run. He is cutting, he is moving without the ball, he is confident in his shot, he's playing better defense too. I think that's an underrated part of this. He is a defensive liability compared to what Nebraska started the season with, with Gary and Bandamel and even other guys who are still active in, in Greasel and, and Wilcher and uh, even Sam Hoiberg. But he's come around a little bit. His is... The system of defense of which they play, and they go into two, three zones a lot. Yep. I mean, he's able to get skills. They're able to get running. But if you're going to, you saw it in the, I believe it was Wisconsin game. Or was it, it was either, it was either Penn State or Wisconsin where they started have, having to run Sam Hoiberg and Casey Tomanaga guarding the perimeter. And it was just not, yep. you just can't do that. But yeah, he's what what I've been impressed with the most with Kasey is number one. Last year, I felt like his biggest uh, uh, flaw was that he couldn't create space for himself, and not just on the ball, off the ball. He just couldn't. He just couldn't find a hole, or couldn't just find any sort of space around the court, so he could get an actual good shot, a good three point shot. It seemed like a lot of his shots from the arc were forced. I mean, and also too. That offense last year wasn't as predicated on off-ball movement and ball movement in general. It was a lot of one-on-one, get to the hole, a lot of you know self-creation. So that this this new offense that they're running, that's more off-ball predicated, has definitely helped them. But his finishing around the basket has been absolutely phenomenal, and he's going to make at least be an all all Big Ten uh, you know honorable mention. Maybe he makes the second team. These last four games he's playing like he he'd be on the all Big Ten first team. Might be a little bit a uh, little uh not enough too late, you know, but look. Yeah. He's played phenomenal. CJ Wilcher had an incredible game against Rutgers, but the thing with with CJ and and I the reason why we talk about consistency is that he doesn't know how long he's going to play every game anymore. Ever since he started coming off the bench, because when he was a starter to begin the year, he was consistently playing 30 minutes a game. But since he became a, a bench player, a role player, here's our, here are his minutes. 20, 30, 19, 24, 26, 14, 19, 10, 32. He went from not playing the entire second half against Wisconsin or any overtime to starting against Rutgers and playing 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. So and 17 points. And 17 I mean he was incredible. He couldn't miss. He couldn't miss. I mean he was absolutely phenomenal against Rutgers. You love to see it. And I think all year 
from the beginning, from preseason, it was said, look, if this team is going to surprise people, if this team is going to go somewhere that people didn't anticipate them to go, C.J. Wilcher is going to have to play really, really good basketball. And like you said, he hasn't found that consistency, but they score 17 points and they kick the, you know, kick the heck out of one of the best defensive teams in the country. The heck, people. I know we can't, you know, know FCC. That's right. Hey, you're you're a professional journalist. I am. I am. You you market it. Yeah, that's right. So you have three games left, or four games left for Nebraska now. Maryland, Minnesota, Michigan State, all at home. And then you finish up at Iowa on March 5th. Uh, The next one tomorrow, that's Maryland, 4 o'clock tip. That's on FS1, of course. All of it right here on your home for the Huskers, KLIN. What's the expectation? Look, Minnesota, you have to win. You can't lose. Minnesota's awful. Um, at home, too? Exactly. They've already won at the ro- on the road against them. And by the way, on a Saturday, that's going to be packed. This So, Maryland... Yeah, that's a tough one. They, they got blown out against Maryland out in College Park. But this... Ever since, ever since Nebraska finally was allowed to start playing weekend home games... That Penn State game was a weekend home yeah, game. Yeah, I mean the schedule. Wisconsin, the schedule has like, been ridiculous. This this, year. this one is another situation where you're going to have a really nice crowd. It's not going to be snowing like it was on Thursday. It's going to be a nice day. It's going to be sunny. I think you're going to have a really really good crowd there this Sunday tomorrow for this Maryland game, uh, and that's going to get them off to a nice little start. Uh, I, I think that's going to help propel them. You you can you can steal one of these too, the Maryland or Michigan State. Uh, in addition to the the Minnesota game in this three game homestand, yeah, and then see what happens out at Iowa. I will. I will. Nebraska's got their number apparently. I, I will say this: Maryland right now is the second best team in the Big Ten. I, I think just unequivocally, we can just call your, it. Your dad going to be okay with you saying that over Northwestern? He's he's. They're the second best team. Northwestern is the best. Oh team. my goodness! North. Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> they are Northwestern is the best team in the Big Ten right now. They beat. Uh, first place and second place, and now they hold second place, and they got ten wins. Yeah. They are the best, and they are playing in crowd. I mean, Boo Booey and Chase Aldige, hot take might be the best point guard shooting guard duo in the country right now. Maryland, real quick, their last couple of results: uh, one by fourteen against Purdue, beat Penn State by six, lost to Michigan State before that, beat uh, Minnesota by thirty-five, beat Indiana by eleven, beat Nebraska. By 19. Before that, they beat Wisconsin by 18. I mean, they're on a heater. And so. yet, they're playing the hottest team in the Big Ten. I think Your they are the hottest. They are the, they are the hottest team in the Big Ten. But one of the hottest teams, yeah. Potato, potato. Hey, uh, one of the hottest topics in Lincoln right now is the football roster. What is going on with that? Shrinking it down. Walk-on chain, walk-on program changes, uh, and of course, recruiting. It never stops. Uh, we'll get the latest from all of that, including a Dylan Riola update from Nate Klaus with Inside Nebraska. That's right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. It's the middle of February, but of course, you know, it is always football season here in Nebraska, and there's a lot of there's a lot of moving and shaking going on within the roster within. Spring practice coming up. There's a lot of updates, a lot of fullback. Oh, I had to let it out. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. You, you said heck in the first oh. segment. Now you're just oh. dropping fullback out here. The I had to let it out. Happen. Oof. You said football. I, I thought of fullback. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Cole. I can't help myself. Well, we're uh, we're going to get to uh, somebody else who's probably going to have some, some, some nice words to say, and that's Nate Klaus from Inside Nebraska. We... We have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, roster updates uh, on the Nebraska side, but let's start with recruiting. And uh, Nate, uh, welcome back to the show. First of all, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. It's been a while, um, so I'm glad to be able to to come back on with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the one of the hottest names right now in recruiting that's not Dylan Riola 
is Carter Nelson out yeah. of Ainsworth. Uh, this week just picked up an offer from old uh, Nick Saban in Alabama. You heard of him? Um, the Georgia offer, I'm sure, is imminent as well. What, let's start with this. Where would Carter Nelson fit on the field? Where do you see him playing in his college days? Well, yeah, and that's that's the thing. I mean, he's uh, 6'5", 215, 220 pounds. Can uh, can run, you know, like a like a big wide receiver. Um, you know, he's got great speed. Can jump out of the gym. Uh, so, I mean, really, uh, I think you can kind of, you know, you can kind of comp him a little bit like like a lot of people did this past cycle with Malachi Coleman, another in-state prospect who's got similar measurables uh, and you know, an athletic ability in terms of being able to do a lot of different things on the football field. You know, a lot of people said yeah malachi could play wide receiver could play um you know he could be an edge uh rusher on on defense or outside linebacker you know may grow into a tight end i think the the same goes for carter nelson um he's an eight-man multi-sport athlete uh from small town nebraska that is just kind of starting to scratch the surface of his potential so um you know where he projects best on the field I, i think there's I think you could say it's at multiple positions, but ultimately I think a lot of people are are saying, okay, this is going to be a tight end that can stretch the field um, and and be more of, you know, be more than just maybe uh, a safety valve or a move the chains type of guy. He could be a difference maker, um, you know, as, as a tight end and a matchup problem at that position. And a quick follow-on to that, do we know, do we have any insight as to how Matt Rule and his staff see him and where they might want to put him on the field? And, and where do things stand with Matt Rule and his staff in terms of recruiting and, and his thoughts against uh, with Nebraska? Yeah, Matt Rule and his staff, uh, they, they first and foremost, they want to do whatever they can to get Carter Nelson you know, uh, you know, in Lincoln as a Husker. Um, you know, I think they've talked to him mostly about playing on the offensive side of the football, um, it, being somebody who's going to get the ball uh, as a tight end, it could do some different things in that offense. Um, you know, I think that relationship is still progressing. Um, they're definitely putting the time and effort in. I think uh, we saw that this past January where Matt Rule, Ed Foley, uh, Marcus Satterfield, I mean, you, you had a ton of coaches going to Ainsworth, Nebraska, every time they could, um, you know, before the, the end of that, that contact period was over. Um, you know, and obviously they can't necessarily sit down and have in-person uh, conversations really with Carter Nelson during that time. But, but believe me, <laughs> Carter Nelson knew they were there. Uh, the whole town of Ainsworth knew that the Husker coaches were, were in town. So, uh, they, I mean, they're putting the full court press on, uh, just like everybody else. The, 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 I guess the bad thing is, um, if you're Nebraska, is that there is a ton of competition. You know, Alabama, Nick Saban doesn't come and offer an eight man, uh, Nebraska high school football player very often. Uh, in fact, I don't know if it's ever happened before. So, um, I think that kind of speaks to the type of competition that the Huskers are up against, uh, for, for Carter Nelson. Nate, Matt here. I want to thank you uh, for coming on the show. So, you know, we're we're seeing here with with Coach Rule and, and his staff. It seems like you know Lonnie Brown leaving, Hunter Anthony leaving, um, that they're cutting down on the roster, and they're they're you're not going to have the 150, 155, 156 man roster like this football team had in the Scott Frost era. You know, what's your opinion on that? Do you think there is a noticeable advantage or maybe disadvantage to having closer to 110, 115 guys on a roster compared to having 150, 155, or is it kind of just preference for coaches? You know, I, I think I'll say this. I think it's preference for coaches, first of all. Uh, but, you know, the the days of, you know, saying, well, you know, Tom Osborne had 160 plus guys. Um, you know, and, and they're doing four stations. I mean, practices just aren't run that that way anymore. Um, yeah. You know, the the level of contact uh, that these players are allowed to have during the course of a week uh, is not the same as it used to be. Um, and so, you don't necessarily need to have. Uh, you know, 75, 80 players on the roster that are essentially tackling dummies anymore. Um, so I think that 
you know, having that 155 plus or even, you know, 135 plus on the roster um, in, in a lot of ways, I think you could say uh, quality over quantity. And, and I think that that's what we're going to see under this staff is, is maybe them tighten that number up a little bit. Um, you know, by no means is the staff going to get rid of the walk-on program or, or even, you know, significantly, um, you know, cut that by, by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, I think, they're going to do whatever they can to get the best, uh, the best types of walk-ons at Nebraska and the guys that they think that they're really going to be able to develop into meaningful players that are, you know, at the very least making their mark on all special teams and, and more than just, you know, somebody who's going to be a backup special teams guy that's standing on the sideline during practice uh, for, you know, 90% of, of the time, uh, you know, day in and day out. So uh, I think that they want to be, they want to have an efficient roster where uh, they're, they're able to kind of, you know, maximize these guys' abilities and, and really develop them instead of having uh, a lot of guys just kind of standing around. Nate, you knew this question was coming. I'm going to ask you about Dylan Raiola here. And, and first off, it, you know, no secret about it. He's their number one target. I mean, when the, when the open period started happening, that was the first place rule went and went to Chandler, Arizona, talked to him. We we know the whole story. Where 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 what are the important dates coming up for the Dylan Riola recruiting cycle? And just give me your honest opinion where Nebraska right now stands on the totem pole. Right. Well, first of all, you're hundred percent correct. He's he's by far and away the number one guy on the board. Uh in and rightfully so, he's the number one overall player in the in the country, right? At the at the absolutely very, at the at the biggest position, most important position uh, on the football field, uh, and and really arguably the the most important position in every uh, recruiting class. So, uh, and, and so far they've done a tremendous job. I think Nebraska is very much in the mix. Um, you know, my gut feeling right now is that it's kind of Nebraska, Georgia, and then you know that are way out in front. And then you've got, you know, a secondary group of schools that are still trying to stay in the mix. But um, with each passing day that Dylan Riola uh, goes through this recruitment that he's yet to commit anywhere, I think is a positive for the Huskers and and Matt Rule uh, because they're able to continue to develop that relationship. Uh, They're going to be having him on campus in in late March, uh, you know, about a week and a half or so after spring ball starts. Um, and that is going to be, in my opinion, kind of the defining visit for Dylan Riola. Will the Huskers be able to maybe possibly close the deal when he's on campus for that visit, or at least um, secure a return trip for the spring game? Um, look, Dylan Riola and his family, they're smart. They they know how to, they know kind of how to play this recruiting game and they know how to maximize their leverage that Dylan has as the number one overall recruit in the country. And so um, I think they know that making a commitment either before the spring games start to happen or, you know, at the very latest at a spring game will, will really maximize his uh, ability to, to get other players uh, to join him and to be able to be a major peer recruiter uh, to make wherever he goes, you know, to, to help help them, help that school have an elite recruiting class. Um, now, if Nebraska does get Dylan Riola, uh, I think the best case scenario is for them to secure that commitment, uh, at least, you know, uh, verbally, maybe, you know, quote-unquote silent commitment uh, when he's on campus in late March, and then for them to, to kind of have a timing where it's announced and he's able to, to really help kind of generate some buzz and get some other big time players on campus for the spring game. And, and if that happens, you know, watch out. I mean, the spring game is going to be a recruiting spectacle to begin with. Um, and it's just going to be, you know, a lot of excitement around it in general with the new coaching staff. But, um, you know, if Dylan Ryle is on campus and is a commit or is there, there's a potential that he commits that, that weekend, I mean, it could be, it could be huge. Um, it, it probably one of the bigger, uh, recruiting events that that the Huskers have had in quite some time, so uh, I feel good with where they're at. 
Uh, it's not going to be easy. I, I caution people to, to count him as being in already. Uh, but there's definitely reason to be uh, extremely optimistic here and to be, uh, you know, very hopeful and, and excited about where the Huskers are at with it right now. Oscar spring game, April 22nd. That's definitely a, a date to watch for sure. Uh, another minute or two here with Nate Klaus from inside Nebraska. Uh, Nate, in terms of uh, the roster, one of the things that we saw was Alante Brown leaving, and if assuming he does not come back into the uh, the team as Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda went to the portal and came back, assuming he leaves, that makes 14 of 17 Scott Frost wide receiver recruits uh, not having finished their careers in Lincoln, what will what have, what have you seen so far from Matt Rule and, and his staff, and, and maybe it's Garrett McGuire or Satterfield? What have you seen that gives you confidence that this is going to change with Rule's staff? Yeah, I mean, time will tell um, whether or not the staff is going to be able to get players, uh, you know, difference makers to come in at that position first and foremost, but also. Uh, you know, stick around long enough to be developed and to, to finish out their careers at Nebraska. Uh, I think, you know, the part of that statistic is the fact that, um, you know, the transfer portal has changed a lot of, a lot of things. And, and just in general, we're going to be seeing far fewer players finish their career at one school than, than we ever used to before. Uh, but the, the other part of that is the fact that, um, you know, Nebraska hasn't won a lot of games uh, over the over the last four or five years or more, and and so that's played a role into it. And uh, and I think you know uh, the type of offense that 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 is being run and everything, and how these guys fit into things uh, is going to be highly important. So um, you know we'll we'll see. I I am um, I'm you know very excited to see how the wide receivers play um, and, and kind of factor into this offense. I, we know that it, they want to be physical up front. They want to establish a ground game, but they also want uh, playmakers on the edges. They want to bring in speed um, and, and difference makers in that regard. And, and I think so far they've done that. Now we'll, now it's time to see how they develop those guys and, and if they can keep them around long enough I guess to to I you know, see a lot of those guys reach their potential, but um, I think they feel really good about the type of athlete that is in that room right now. Now it's just a matter of you know getting them acclimated to the playbook and and uh, kind of continuing to to develop those players. As Nate Klaus inside Nebraska, recruiting expert there for them and uh, expert here for us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, Nate, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you later. You bet. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nate. That's Nate Klaus. Uh, good stuff and. Always great stuff from Nate. Love and, having Nate on. And boy, uh, that that caught me off guard when I saw the fourteen out of seventeen was the the Scott there was, wide receiver. By the way, numbers. Shout out Husker Twitter because there yeah. are some there yeah. are some people who have day jobs who go in and they put in a lot of time and a lot of effort into making these graphs, a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of making stuff that it literally there are media professionals who don't put, and myself included, <laughs> who don't put nearly as much time into making spreadsheets as some fans just go ahead and do. And we yeah. use them, and they're great, and I love it. And yeah, I saw that too. And not only just 14 out of 17 didn't uh, end up, or you know, finish did, didn't finish their careers here, I think only two of those players caught touchdowns yeah. for for Nebraska. I mean, and how crazy is that? One. I'm not sure who the other would be, but yeah, it's... But there, I th- it was either two or it was either yeah. some ridiculously low number of just who did it, not just didn't finish their careers, or they didn't produce. I mean, wild. Those, wild. Those three who are still left, by the way, Victor Jones Jr., Sean Hardy, and Janaren Bonner, they might be the answer to a, a trivia question if they do stick around. They might, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it's so weird just because you got six wide receivers. Yeah. Six new ones. Yeah, there's there's a lot of guys at the wide receiver there's a lot position. Of, there's a lot of stuff going on. We're going to sift through that in spring uh, along with plenty else. Uh, we got more to sift through, a little bit more football discussion uh, on the back of that Nate Klaus discussion. Uh, we've also got some other stuff to hit. Women's hoops, baseball, volleyball has announced their spring scrimmage and the location uh, out in non-Lincoln or Omaha area, Nebraska. Nice to get out and about with uh, the rest of the state. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll finish things up here with all of that as we head to the second half of the show right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. 
Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. If you miss Nate Klaus from Inside Nebraska in our last segment, always head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com. Go to your favorite podcast platform and he dropped, subscribe to the KLIN Husker Hour Air as well. He dropped some nuggets, man, on, yeah. on the Royola. I mean, that was that was a very detailed, a more detailed answer than I was anticipating. I mean, he's he said optimism. He said be optimistic. And and it seems like they're in a good spot. The target the target area of the calendar to pay attention to is that that visit yep. in March and then potentially a decision publicly being made March April, maybe before that spring game April 22nd. And his That's visit now now his visit isn't just him too. There's also some very yep. other highly recruited. I think there's another five-star uh, defensive lineman visiting with I think him. They know what they're doing. Here, I, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like there's they got a recipe, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one closing. I'm by I, by the way, I am so mad right now. Do you know what I have to do today? I have to fly. Oh no, I have to fly today. I there's nothing more that I hate than flying, and especially flying in O'Hare. But I'm doing it because I and part of the reason why I'm segueing this way. It's my sister's birthday, and she's listening. Aww. So happy birthday, Alexandra! I love you. It's her 16th. Oh wow! I know. Okay. I was I was supposed to come in and, and surprise her today. Like she wasn't know I she wasn't supposed to know that I was going to fly in. And then apparently she was whining so much and crying that I wasn't going to come and visit her that my mom had to tell her. By the Aww. way, he's coming. So what a but, guy! I'm such a great brother. You know who else uh, had to fly this week? I knew you were going to do. You're baseball. so good at segueing. You are so good. They're out in San Diego this weekend. They uh, they just played the first game of the season yesterday. Unfortunately, they were not as good as I am at segueing at playing baseball last <laughs> night. They they fall to San Diego. The Toreros win a le- uh, seven to three. Seven to three was the final. It was a four to three game going into the ninth. Um, San- or into the bottom of the eighth, I should say. San Diego put up. Uh, a three spot in the bottom of the eighth and, and one by four. Uh, Bryce Matthews, two run double, got two hits out of four uh, at bats, uh, also drew a walk. Uh, and then you have uh, Garrett Anglum responsible for the other run batted in. Uh, those two, the only Huskers with more than a single hit. Dylan Carey playing third, his first start. That was the only other Husker with a hit, just five hits in the whole game for Nebraska. They drew seven walks, Matt. Yeah, uh, but unfortunately, uh, they left eleven runners on base. Did Nebraska? That so, was that was the trouble. You got guys on, you couldn't get them in. San Diego took advantage of those opportunities. San Diego comes out on top in game one. Lob is always such a weird stat because Legion of Boom left on base. Okay, um, <laughs> it's such a weird stat just because when you're when you're just looking at it, let's say you leave twenty guys on base. Mm-hmm. You'd think, wow, like you left so many runs on the board, you just couldn't convert. But some baseball, some some, I wouldn't, I was about to say baseball nerds, but some baseball savants would say, you want a lot of, you want a lot of left on base. You want a lot of, you want that lob number to be high because it means, hey, you were getting people on base. Just be, you know, it's it's kind of a weird thing where it's like, well, if you leave fifteen on base, you didn't score, but at least you were getting those opportunities. At least you were producing. Right. But left on base was a big deal. For them last year, I mean, there were a lot of times where they were threatening last year, and and they just weren't able to um, capitalize, and and that happened yesterday. Shout out to my friend uh, Grant Hansen, does great work over at uh, Husker Online. He had this incredible stat in his article, uh, one through five. So 
hitters number seven through number one mm-hmm. were five for 15. Two through six were 0 of 17 yeah. at the plate yesterday. They had, I mean, they were responsible for six of the seven walks. Th- they were. They but, were, but still. Yeah, no hits. 0 of 17, you can't, the heart of the order. I mean, the and heart of, those, of the order. And some of those guys, Matt, in that in that two through fives area, yeah. Max Anderson and Griffin Everett and Josh Karen, who who started c- contributing uh, in, in last season as well. But yeah. Everett, Anderson, Matthews, uh, those are your three guys who go back to that Arkansas regional season. Yeah. I mean, those guys are the first three hitters in your lineup. They are going to have to carry the load, uh, especially early, while some of these guys acclimate to the college game. Absolutely. Uh, and, and some of these guys have played elsewhere, but... But not, not to not in this lineup, not with the same approach. Sure. To the be- yeah, let's that. let's not college game, but this college schedule. You know, you sure. got a lot of community college. You have a lot of JUCO. You got a lot of grad transfers who didn't play Power Five uh, baseball. It's it's a different. And I wouldn't say it's a different game. Baseball's baseball, but it's a different sort of competition. Two through six, you can't have an offer on two through six and expect to win a game. I mean, that is literally where you make your money. I mean, the strategy of baseball is one through six is where you have your runs and you're happy whatever production you can get seven through nine. Keep the baton moving, keep the train going, set up some guys for set up some runs or some opportunities for when you turn the lineup back over. So, I mean, you can't you can't go over over 17. Yeah, some of the guys getting their first starts yesterday, I mentioned um, Dylan Carey at third base, Charlie Fisher in left. Um, and then also Will Walsh at first base and Casey Burnham in center field. Emmett Olson got the start. He's expected to be their Friday night starter this year. Five and a third innings, five hits, three runs. All of them earned one walk, five strikeouts. Uh, a pretty good outing. He does take the loss uh, as San Diego just got a little bit more from their staff. Uh, their starter only made it in to uh, through three innings. Only gave up one hit, but they just... They just kind of burned through their bullpen. They used uh, one guy for three and a third, and then their closer got one and a third in the end. Um, Also, for Nebraska, going today, the likely starter, Wichita State transfer Jace Kaminska. Tomorrow, uh, it's likely lefty Caleb Clark. And then uh, a TBA starter Monday. Uh, That's a four-game series out in San Diego. I'd probably guess Kyle Perry. Gonna get the Monday start if I if I was a betting man. Kyle Perry is another guy who's got that that regional season experience. He does. He played down there in Fayetteville. Uh, that was basically where he made his comeback after miraculously turning it around that quickly. He didn't think they were gonna get him back that soon, and they then he did. And he was big for him last year as well. So Kyle Perry gonna be some another arm to lean on. Kyle Perry also great human being. I'm a, I'm partners with him in a class, and he is a, just an awesome dude to be around. Great locker room guy too. Old, you know, he's uh he came back for his for I think his fifth year. So yep. he was he was the guy that did he he was the guy that got the shout out from uh uh not was it Miley Cyrus or I don't know I have no clue <sighs> might have predated your Nebraska time uh, probably <laughs> that's a weird Miley Cyrus what Katy Perry maybe I don't know somebody help me out on the uh, on the Facebook live or, or hit us up on the Twitter at KLI and Huskers um, and we've got more to get to uh, women's hoops uh, volleyball announcement. Uh, and and more records fallen. Track and I know. field. I know. I saw. I know. I know which oh, one you know you're talking about. You're I do know this one. Up on it. Okay. I did. All right. All right. That's good. Caleb's rubbing off on you. Uh, more to come here. Stay with us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Put them up. We waking up. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. If you are a Central City, Nebraska resident, then you're in luck because Nebraska Volleyball is coming to see you for the spring scrimmage. It's going to be against Wichita State April 29th. That's where they're going. They're going to Central City, baby. How far is that? I'm unaware of. So uh, if you know where Grand Island is. Don't. Give me directions. You know where Columbus is. Yes, I know where Columbus is. So Grand Island is an hour and 20 to the west, and Columbus is... To the to the northwest. Okay. Central City's between the two, right along the Platte River. Gotcha. Okay. I know Platte River. I know okay. where that is. Okay. I, I got some geography. Or, Oregon Trail. Do they go there a lot? Have they done there before? Is so this I, uh, I'm I unaware like, of it. Of I feel a, like they did this in Grand they did this in Grand Island, I believe, last okay. year. Maybe further west. I don't remember, but okay. they take the show on the road. Hey, Why not? Good for them. Yeah. Get go to people. Look. I'm sure, look, Nebraska volleyball games, to begin with, are just mm-hmm. difficult to go to. Tickets are really expensive. Yeah. The the season ticket line is, is always clogged up. I mean, there's a reason why they've had so many sellouts. 
on top of that, just hard to get tickets. Imagine being all the way out west and how difficult that could be to travel. Also, their games, they got a lot of 7 p.m., 8 p.m. games. So it's hard for it's hard for folks really away from too far away from Lincoln to go and see such a great Nebraska volleyball program. So it, it incredible. Great. Take it on the road. Why not? Have a good time. Uh, sticking with the ladies and and not as good a news for, for Nebraska women's basketball. They they fall in the last second. Uh, their their little slide here continues. Their their hopes for the NCAA tournament are kind of fading at this point, Matt, as as they, they've they've had some second halves where they just have not been able to keep leads. They've not been able to hold on to the ball, get shots up, get get quality uh, quality shots. Uh, and Amy Williams squad is just it's they're struggling to hit that finish line. Uh, and and I, I feel like that postseason opportunity may be a little bit slipping away. You're getting to the point where, first off, your schedule doesn't help you anymore. And, and what I mean by that is they've had, I think, 11 games against ranked opponents. And it's okay that they have double-digit. Like they only have two more wins than they have losses. But that's always been okay because they play such a tough schedule. But at some point, at some point, you got to beat them. You got to start beating ranked teams. And if you want to contend, not only just get to the postseason, but contend to the postseason, you have to beat the top level teams. They lost to number 14 Michigan at the end of December. Uh, overtime lost Indiana number four, lost to number three Ohio State, lost to number 11 Maryland, lost to number 10 Iowa. They did beat Maryland earlier in the they year. They did. By and, a lot. 90 to 67 on the road. And a loss to number 12 Michigan that they were really close to winning. But yeah. their last, I believe it, that six ranked games, they've lost. Yeah. And at some point, I'm not, you know, you're not saying that you got to go 6 and 0 or anything like that, but there's got to be a little bit of a give and take there. And they've just been unable to do so. But look, that Minnesota game, so tough. And, and honestly, they were down that I wrote that game. It was really a swinging pendulum where it's one team, it seemed like they're about to take control, then the other team would come back, and then they would come and take control. There was back and forth. 91-85, Jazz Shelley, oh my God, 37 points, incredible. Four-point play to tie it. They had a chance with Sam Hybe at the free throw line. She missed both free throws. Come back. Isabel Gradwell hits that corner three. It's a tough loss. And honestly, against a team, Minnesota only had two Big Ten wins before that. And that is not, it's just not, a, 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 a honestly, a game you need to win to start building some momentum into the Big Ten tournament. Now, Nebraska officially, according to ESPN Bracketology, first team out in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it must win and almost a, a must not lose in, in that scenario where yeah. you just can't afford a loss like that to a team uh, that has been struggling like that. Now, you mentioned high scoring. Uh, they're playing Caitlin Clark today in Iowa. Number seven nationally, and and this is an opportunity to get back on the right track. Absolutely, if they can steal one against a really good team and and one of the best players in the country, one of the best college players ever, right. you could say. And and the game today, it's uh, they're calling it Pack PBA. They have sold Matt upwards of twelve thousand tickets they're to gonna, this game. They're going to have a crowd. The record crowd for a women's basketball game in school history. Goes back to 2010 when they went undefeated through the Big 12. They were a number one seed the last year in the Big 12, um, or the second to last year. Yeah, second to last year because 2010 11 would have been the last for, for the, the winter sports. They went uh, against Missouri. That was the last regular season game of the season. They'd already clinched the conference uh, and they had 13,000 plus. Almost fourteen thousand in that in that uh, arena. They're they're they probably will break that today. They could they could get they could get real close. Um, it's it's going to be a nicer day today, well, and and Iowa is a hated rival. Caitlin Clark is a star. There's a lot there's a lot trending in the direct other than Nebraska having you know a big winning streak. There's a lot trending in the direction of this is going to be a really really big crowd over the last year. I feel like this Nebraska Iowa rivalry has really picked up. And across all sports, I, I think that a little bit, it, it was, it, it's a little weird, right? Cause you're in the Big Ten, you're going from the Big, you're in the Big 12 for so long, you go to the Big Ten, you kind of just pick out a rival, right? Like the, yeah. the, the team that's closest to you. But there have been some really heated matchups across so many sports that this rivalry 
I've kind of made fun of it before. I've, I've put it in quotations between Iowa. It just seems like you want a rival, you go, hey, you, you know, we're close to Iowa, that's our <laughs> rival. But I honestly think that this is now becoming a rivalry in every game across yeah. so many sports that these two schools play against each other. It means something. It means yeah. something. And this is a, a great indication of that. You're going to have a lot of people at a women's basketball game playing against Iowa. And they've done, Nebraska Athletics has done one heck of a job uh, promoting this. I mean, you've seen the football team tweeted out. You've seen yeah. the general accounts tweeted out saying, hey, pack people. Wherever you go, whether you're at a basketball game or, or you know, a men's basketball game, they're saying, hey, this game, go to this game. I know a lot of people that are going to go. It's going to seem like there's going to be a lot of people there. going to be an incredible atmosphere and an incredible opportunity for Nebraska women's basketball to steer the ship yep. back on track, get some momentum going into the Big Ten tournament, which they're now going to have to get a couple wins in if they're going to get to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Hey, hey, speaking of big crowds, did you see the big crowd in Kansas City I did. on Wednesday? Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. I'm happy for you, man. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. You gotta fight! Yeah. Is that what you were doing? Maybe. Ridiculous. Haven't had a chance. I'm going to gloat a little bit. Hey, you, you were, pick, say, you were pick, saying you wanted to go over your bad Nebraska basketball takes. How about your bad your bad Super Bowl? Takes? I don't think that was a bad Super Bowl. Ta- <laughs> hey, what did I tell you? We, off off air, I told you in the parking lot. You who were was afraid of Isaiah Pacheco? And 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 I said if he had a good game, it was over. Was I correct? He had a good game. Yeah, fifteen carries, seventy some yards, touchdown. Heck of a game. They kind of went away from him because Andy Reid and and beat. they had more carries in the second did half they? than pass attempts. Yes. Well, they didn't really. Well, to be fair, they didn't have. They had the ball for a total of like four minutes in the first in the first half. That's fair. But. All right, we're gonna wrap things up right after this. We'll tell you who's breaking records this week for Huskers when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. All right, wrapping this thing up. I'm riling Cole up right now. I'm just, I'm ruffling his feathers uh, talking hey, about this hold. Ruffle away. I've got the Super Bowl. You do. I do. Um, you we, do. Uh, another record falls in track and field. Taylor Latimer, a senior, broke the weight throw school record. 72 feet, 11 and 3 fourths inches. Jeez. First place at the Nebraska tune-up. 10th nationally, 3rd in the Big Ten. And JoJo Ranby, a sophomore swimmer, broke a 27-year-old 100-meter breaststroke school record. 100, uh, 1 minute and 10 tenths of a second. And then broke it again in the finals. All right, that's going to do it. Craziness. That's Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Thanks to Nate Klaus. We will see you next weekend. Husker Hoops, women today, men tomorrow. Go Big Red.